0: It's a privilege and an honor to be here again. Uh, I'm constantly learning from Pastor. I mean, I watch him on uh, Facebook, I don't tell him. You know, the other day he was doing an interview, he went back to his former school in America, and I was watching through the whole thing. And I was learning a few things again how you relate, how you learn, how you go. And I was like, wow. So even though he's a friend, he's also somebody I look up to. we work together on so many things. And thank you, sir, for asking me to come back. I never take the relationship for granted. I never take it for granted. And I'd like to say uh, thank you to all the leadership in the church. Uh, some of the pastors I know, Dr. Keith, I know he's been to our church a couple of times. Thank you for what you're doing in the house. And I know pastors said to us about uh, discipline and all that. We need to get off you see when you read revelations chapter one chapter two chapter three jesus was talking to the seven Ephesian church and he will say i know your patience i know the hard work i know the things you've done and then you go to the next verse you say but i have something against you in other words you're doing well but i expect you to do better so there's nothing that you're doing right now that you cannot still do better in that if somebody listening to what i'm saying this afternoon at all and i'd like to say thank you to pastor lola as well um Even if pastor wanted to invite me, if you didn't want him to invite me, then he wouldn't have been able to invite me. So I'm taking it that there's something good that you have said (laughs) regarding me that has allowed me to come back again and again. So thank you so much, man. So not to waste time because I have just about 30 minutes. I want us to go into the word uh, this afternoon. And we're talking about the creative church. I want somebody to say with me the creative church. I want somebody to say it louder. The creative church. Okay, so we're going to take our text from the book of Acts, chapter 5. The book of Acts, chapter 5, verses 12 to 14. He said, And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch, and of the rest does no man join himself to them. But the people magnify them, and the believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes, both of men and men. And women. Now, for us to please understand this, this was back in the early church. And the Bible is recording, we read acts of the apostles, but it was the acts of the apostles through men and women like you and myself. And so God was doing all sorts of miracles, strange things were happening. And because this is the sixth year of the church, and six stands for the for the, uh, for, for the uh, number of man, which talks about destiny and purpose, which tells me that God wants this church to enter into another realm of purpose, another realm of destiny, another realm of moving forward, another realm of progress, which is why we're studying about a creative church. I don't know whether somebody's following what I'm saying at all. So... Just like we have in the Holy Church, God is expecting this house to move into a different realm whereby even people who are just lay workers, people who are just members, will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. They will do things and they will just be creative and people will look at them and say, wow, there's something about you. I want to follow your God. I pray that that will be our portion in the name of Jesus. I said, I pray that that will be our portion in the name of Jesus. So let's go further. I'm going to give us 12 principles of our divine creativity and i'm just going to be running through some of those points you know 12 principles of divine creativity and the first one i want to give to us is that to be creative is to produce something that has not existed before to be creative is to produce something which has not existed before Okay, that's the number one principle. Now, to to be creative is to generate something new. To be creative is to express inner gifts. Creative, make, produce, generate, manufacture. Okay? So, God wants us to be creative. So, to be creative is to bring something new out of what is old. To be creative is to manufacture something new. Okay? Now, the second principle which I'd like to mention to us is that creativity is usually a response to a need. Creativity is usually a response to a need, a response to a problem, a response to a challenge. Now, somebody said this. He said, uh, necessity is the mother of invention. So when there's a need, there's a challenge, you have to think out of the box and find a way to solve that problem. So creativity is usually born... Out of a need or a problem or a challenge okay now number three principle which I'd like to mention to us is that God is the ultimate and the first creator so if you read Acts chapter 2 or Acts chapter 5 that we read verses 12 to 14 and you read about the apostles laying hands but you do not read Genesis chapter 1 you will not fully understand creativity because Genesis chapter 1 makes us to understand that God is actually the ultimate creator. Now, Bible scholars make us to understand that in Genesis chapter 1 alone, the word God was mentioned 32 times. And there are so many names of God. uh, In Exodus chapter 3 verse 14, God was saying to Moses, uh, he said, I am the I am that I am. Genesis 17, God said to Abraham when he was 99 years old, he said, he said, walk before me and be blameless. He said, I am the El Shaddai God, which means I am the double-breasted God. Okay, in Genesis chapter 22, God was saying to Abraham, he said, go and sacrifice your child. And then when he provided a ram, Abraham said, Jehovah Jireh, which means God, my provider. So God has so many names. But when you go into the original Hebrew context, Genesis chapter 1 was talking about the Elohim, Elohim. That means the God who is the creator, the God who is the eternal father, the God who was never created, but created everything. So there's no way you can talk about creativity without reading Genesis chapter 1 because Genesis chapter 1, 32 times, mentions the name of God as the Elohim. It would say in the beginning, uh, God created the heavens and the earth. That means the Elohim created the heavens and the earth. And then he says, the earth was without form and void, and there was darkness upon the face of the deep. Remember I said, creativity is always a response to a need. And then God said, let there be light. In other words, there was chaos. Nothing was happening, and God came on the scene. And because he was a creator himself, he thought, okay, how do we fix this? And then all of a sudden, he started speaking into the darkness. This one moved, this one moved, and then he started creating things. And because God is a creator, which is leading me to the next one, He created other creator. So you are also a creator. I don't know whether somebody is following what I'm saying. So the number fourth principle is that you are also a creator. I want you to help me turn to your neighbor this afternoon. Please turn to your neighbor and say to them, neighbor, say neighbor, you are also a creator. Okay. So, let me run quickly so that I know that you're following me. So, the first one I said, to be creative is to produce something new. I said, second one, creativity is always a response to a need. And then number three, I said, God himself is a creator. And then number four, you also are a creator. Now, think about this. When God created everything, he created the basic things. And I can never forget this, Pastor. When I was like in primary school. I read a particular book, and I believe that the book was a secular book. But at times from secular things, you learn spiritual things. In that particular book, he he was saying about how God created everything, that God created the skies, God created the waters. He said then when God got to the last, he created man on the sixth day. And God's idea was that I don't want to create houses I don't want to create aeroplanes. I don't want to create cars. I don't want to create telephone. I'm going to create another creator in my own image to continue the work of creation that I was doing. So God is not only a creator. The same creative instinct that is in God is in myself and you. I don't know whether somebody is following what I'm saying at all. Please, I want you to help me tap your neighbour. Say neighbour. Say neighbour, because you were created in the image of God. You are also a creator. Okay, are we still together? Okay, number five principles, like I said, I'm just going to run through because I know I have 30 minutes, okay? Number five principle is also that there is secular creativity, there is also divine creativity. Now, in Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 to 28, after God created everything, then God said to the Holy Spirit and Jesus. He said, let's create man in our own image. And then he says, in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And then God blessed them. And then that's the creative mandate. He said to them, be fruitful, multiply, replenish. Note the word replenish. That means keep it going in a circle. You know, every time there's something going wrong, create it again. And then he says, subdue and have dominion. In other other words, God gave a mandate to man continue creating after him so i have the instinct to create you see a a general man who is not a christian can create now a lot of the things that are done um i mean every time i fly and i say to people that i don't like to fly they don't believe they say "Ah, but you fly i said i don't like to fly i said because i like to be in control because when you are driving at least you are in control if somebody is coming to hit you you avoid the person when you are flying, I don't know whether you're like me, when the thing is lifting like that, I'm just like, God, I'm in your hand. It's not that I don't have faith, but you know that if anything goes wrong, you are not in control. And when I see an airplane, and then you see the double-decker ones, the big ones, you think, how do they sustain it in here? And it's as big as that, yet it flies. Now, Somebody who is not a believer can create. You don't need to be a believer to create the phone. You don't need to be a believer to create car. That is just natural instinct that comes that God said in Genesis chapter 1 verse 26. But besides that, if you are also a believer, you carry a different dimension which means there are things that you can create that general people cannot create. I don't know whether somebody's listening to what I'm saying. Now, this is not a New Testament preaching. When you go to Old Testament, people were creating us at that time. You read about Moses. Moses, you know, parted the Red Sea into two. You read about Joseph, Joseph preferred solution that was not common. You read about Samson, one day a lion came to him and then the creative instinct of God came upon him and then he thought he just tore the lion into two. You read Elijah, you read Elijah, they did strange things. We're not talking of New Testament, we're talking of something that comes by the help and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So you are not only a creator as a natural man, which anybody can do. But because you also carry the Holy Spirit, you carry a different dimension of creativity. Is somebody still following what I'm saying this morning at all? Please let me turn to your neighbor. Say neighbor. Say neighbor. You are also a creator. Okay. Now I want you also ask them a neighbor. Say neighbor. Say neighbor. Tap them very well. Say neighbor. How creative are you? And you see. I think I have about 15 minutes more. Whatever I say this afternoon, it's to encourage you, is to uh, ginger you, is to stir up something in you that am I as creative as God wants me to be? So even though I have a creative instinct, am I stirring up the gift? You know, there was a particular time Paul said to Timothy, he said, stir up the gift which is inside of you by the laying on of hands. So even though there is an instinct inside of you, are you stirring it up to achieve creativity? Are we still together? Okay. So where are we now? Number number six. Okay. So the sixth principle I'm going to say to us is that God expects the church to manifest divine creativity. In John chapter 14, verse 12, Jesus said to the disciples, he said, Because I'm going away to the Father. He said, he that believes in me, he said, the work I do, he shall do. He he said, in fact, greater work than this he shall do because I go to the Father. Again, in Romans chapter 8 verse 19, he says, "The, the earth is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. In Mark chapter 16, verse 15 to 20, Jesus said, He that believeth in me, he said, Those that believe in me, they will lay their hands on the sick, they will, they will deliver people, they will cast out demons, they will be doing all these things. So God has an expectation upon you to be creative. Recently I was I was sharing in church and I was talking about fruitfulness. And we were reading from uh John chapter 15, John chapter 16. Uh, where jesus was talking about the fact that he's a vine we are the branches and he said anybody who is in me you bear fruit and then he said something which is funny he said if you bear fruit my father prunes you so that you can bear more he said if you don't bear fruit he chops you away now you read in revelations chapter 3 verse 15 he said i wish that you are hot or cold but since you are lukewarm i'll just pull you out now Again, you read in so many scriptures. In fact, in the book of Isaiah, I think Isaiah, I can't remember which particular chapter. There was the story about somebody who planted a tree. And then he said, every time I've been here, year after year. He said, this thing is not bringing any fruit. He said, you know what? I'm just going to cut it off. So, there is a dimension of God, which means he's a businessman and he expects profit. He's thinking, why am I putting my effort in this? Why am I giving you this opportunity? If you are not being creative, you are bringing nothing back. So there is an expectation of God upon the church not only for He to prosper but to be creative. So if the church is here this year, God expects it to move forward. If the church is creative in this way, and we're not talking of only numeric numeric in terms of the number of people, but how much are we being creative in terms of affecting lives? So God has an expectation over your life to be creative. God has an expectation over the church to be creative. Are we still together? I want somebody to say with me, God has an expectation over my life to be creative. I want you to help me talk to your neighbor say, neighbor, God has an expectation over your life to be creative. Okay? Which number are we now? Number seven. Okay? So principle number seven is that divine, creati- divine creativity starts with the right mentality. Divine creativity starts with the right mentality. And I'm going to try and explain this. There is a mentality that with God, all things are possible. For you to be creative, you need to understand that there's always a way. So, there's a problem. There's always a way. There's a challenge. There's always a way. There's a difficulty. There must always be a way. Once you have that mentality, you know that you'll be able to create a solution. Now, in the book of Genesis chapter 18 verse 14, God came to Abraham and Sarah. And God said, I'm going to visit you by next year. And then Sarah laughed. And God asked a question. He said, is anything too hard for the Lord to do? That means with God, all things are always possible. Now, in Jeremiah chapter 32 verse 17, Jeremiah stood and said, O oh Lord God, you created the heavens and the earth. He said, by your power and your house hand." He said, there's nothing too difficult for you to do. In Luke chapter 1 verse 37, the angel came to Mary and said, you're going to be pregnant. And she said, how is it going to be? And the angel said, with God, nothing shall be impossible. In Mark chapter 9 verse 23, one of the days, Jesus went to a mountain. He came back and there was this man, the son had a problem. And the son was was always having epilepsy, falling down. And the man said, please, if you can help us, is there anything you can do? And Jesus took it almost like an insult. He said, is anything I can do? He said, if you can believe all things are possible, anything is possible. Again, in Matthew chapter 26, in fact, one of the days I was reading Matthew 26. And Jesus was just about to die. He was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he said something to God. He said, please, if this cup can pass over me, he said, and he said, this, he said, all things are possible for thee. If this cup can pass over me. And, you know, I like to meditate on the word of God. And I was meditating because I have always been taught from, you know, Sunday school that Jesus was the only way if he didn't die and all that. And I was ruminating that was Jesus suggesting that God always finds a solution. So he's saying, can you find another solution? But you know what? I will go with your will. In other words, God's will was that Jesus would die. But the way God is, God is never stuck. God can God, we always find a solution. There must always be a solution with God. Now the moment you have that mentality that with God, all things are possible. and if I'm also God, that means with me, all things are possible. So if all things are possible for God and all things are possible for either that believes, because I believe, therefore the same possibility that are possible for God are also possible for me. And you see, once you have that mentality, you know that even when something is not working, there must be a solution somehow. There must be a way somehow. It might be difficult in that place of work. There must be a solution. Oh, somebody said, oh, he came into this country. Oh, he's not been able to find the kind of job. And somebody said, but you can create jobs. I remembered quite clearly, there was a particular man. He was a chemical engineer. And he came into this country, and he was working in London. He was working in the underground. And then all of a sudden, they laid him off. And then he started doing some other things. You see, when you see people that are creative, they don't sit down and moan and say, oh, well, nothing is working. Because you see some people, they are like the man that was at um, the, uh, the, the uh, uh, but yeah, Jesus came to him. He said, oh, for 38 years, I've been here. Nobody's ready to help me. There are some people like that. They just see, they just count everything, why everything is not working. No, see a reason why it should work. And so Jesus said, Do you want to be made whole? And then ah, he said, Oh, everybody here, they are not friendly. They are not nice. They, they lift other people. I've just been here. Nobody cares about me. Nobody greets me. I'll be, do you want to be? Just rise up and go. You see, there are certain people who always see a reason why you should not work. I have a partner. Pastor knows him. We develop properties together, but he never came from a construction background. He came from a computer science background. But then he said he wanted to go into development. I came from architecture background. And so I know certain things. When we want to do things, I know this is the way certain things have have to be done. But because he didn't come from that that background, most of the things he questioned, why are we doing this? Why can we not do it? And initially I thought it was a negative but later on, I realized that it was a positive because because he didn't know. He didn't know any restrictions. So, he questions everything. So, why can we not do it? Why can he not go this way? And you see, the moment we have the willpower, he works. I know they are talking about Brexit right now. And I don't necessarily like Boris Johnson. But one of the things he said, and I voted to remain because I think it would affect the economy. But you know one of the things he said? And I learned from people whether they are Christians or not. He said, where there's a will, there's a way. If there's a will, if you believe that there's a possibility, you always be creative to find a way. So you don't come and say, oh, this is a challenge again. God is expecting that. Find a way. There's a way through. So when there was a Red Sea, you can part the Red Sea. Where the, don't cry to me. You know, Moses was crying. God, why are you disturbing me? What is in your hand? There's something that you have that can create a way to where you want to go. So, if everything is possible to God, everything is possible to me. Are we still together this morning at all? Please let me tap your neighbor. Say neighbor. Say neighbor. Because everything is possible to God. Everything is possible to you as well. Are we still together? Okay, so number eight. Number eight principle that I'm going to give to us, and I'm going to just order because of time. There's always a pay- price to pay for divine creativity. There is always a price to pay for divine creativity. Daniel chapter 1, and I don't have the time to go into that. Daniel chapter 1, verse 4. You find Daniel was taken from his homeland into captivity. And in verse 4, the Bible makes us understand that these guys were naturally sharp. They were intellectuals. In fact, they were royal lineage. They were princes. And these guys, naturally, even without Christianity or anything, without, they were sharp. But when you get to Daniel chapter 1, verse 8, the Bible says, But Daniel proposed in himself. He decided. He decided to sacrifice. He decided there was discipline that needed. He decided that prayer was needed. And then when you get to Daniel chapter 1, verse 17, he said, And for these guys, God gave them unusual creativity instincts. You see, when somebody separates himself and says, I'm going to go after this, and I'm going to pay the price which is needed for it. What you see is as you, as you take the step, God also meets you. So there's a price to pay for creativity. Are we still together? Please let me tell your neighbor this afternoon, say, neighbor, there's a price for divine creativity. Okay, number nine. We will never be able to operate in divine creativity at a level God expects without the Holy Spirit's inspiration and knowledge. In Job chapter 32 verse 8, he said there is a spirit in man. The breath of God or the inspiration of God gives him understanding. In Genesis chapter 1, the Bible says that the earth was without form and void and the Spirit of God was moving upon the face of the deep. And God said, now I want you to catch a particular thing. Creativity, for creativity, you always need inspiration and you need knowledge. Please note that you always need inspiration. Inspiration because certain things are not taught. Now, the more knowledge you have, the more creative you are. So, if somebody has a knowledge in a particular area, that person is likely to have more creative knowledge more creativity because you have certain knowledge in that area. But you see, there is a dimension of creativity that is not taught. It just comes to you. Some things are not taught. They are just learned. I give you an instance. You you want to teach somebody to ride a bicycle. How do you teach them to ride a bicycle? Say, put your leg down. Put your leg down. Okay, ride. They must learn to be balanced with two wheels. They must try themselves. There are certain things that you catch them. They are not taught. So, there's a level of creativity that is instinct. I don't know how to explain that. So, you find that in Genesis chapter 1, God was there, Jesus was there. Now, Jesus represents knowledge. The Holy Spirit was also there, talking about the creative instinct. So, for you to actually be creative in the dimension that God expects you, number one, you must be somebody who goes after knowledge. And you must be somebody who is tapping into the Holy Spirit for creativity. So, it will breed upon the knowledge that you have to give you creativity. Are we still together at all? So, you will never be able to be creative the way God wants you to be if you are somebody who is lazy with knowledge. You will also not be able to operate at that level if you don't take inspiration from the Holy Spirit. Are we still together? Okay? Number 10. And I'll quickly just finish in the next five minutes. I find that one of the hindrances to creativity is our past experience or tradition. Your past experience or tradition, negative past experience, can be an hindrance to creativity. Now, Jesus said something very powerful in the book of Mark chapter 7. He was always quarreling with the Pharisees. He said, you guys, through your tradition, you have made the word of God to be of none effect." There was a story in the book of Acts chapter 10, uh, Peter was fasting and God wanted to send him to Cornelius. So Peter had a dream and in that dream, there was a sheet from heaven and there were all kinds of animals. And in that dream, God said to Peter, he said, rise up, kill and eat. And three times it happened. Peter said, God, you know that I have never eaten something unclean. That means this is not something I'm used to. And you know what eventually happened? Even though he went to Cornelius, the, 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 uh, the, the commission to the Gentiles was actually given to Paul, not Peter. You see, when we have past experiences, at times we have past experiences and those past experiences are negative. So, even when God is saying, it is now time to go, you are thinking, mm, will it happen? God came to Sarah, he said, I'm going to bless you, I'm going to give you a son. A, a son. She was like, how can this happen? Most of the times, because we've had delay for so long, even when God is now saying, it is time, we're thinking, can I really believe that? It was the same thing with Elizabeth. With Zechariah, the angel came and said, you're going to have, he said, how can that be? And said, Well, you're going to be dumped because of that. Now, there's, and I don't know who I'm talking to. There might be certain people, you have been in here, you have been trusting God. Maybe there's been a promise over your life for a very long time and you have been believing God and he has not come through and maybe year one, year two, year three, year four, year five and you have almost given up on that dream and God has sent me this morning that don't give up on that dream because it would happen. It would happen. I said it would happen. Let me say this, you know, just because at times we can connect to real life experiences. When I came into this country, I came in as an architect. I also studied as an architect. And then I started working for as architectural assistant and all that. And when we are in church, I used to just have dreams because you see, the Holy Spirit will create dreams in your mind, in your spirit man. That's why it says, unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than you can ever ask or even imagine or think. And you think some of those thoughts are you. They are not necessarily you because the Holy Spirit takes hold of your thoughts and gives you divine ideas and creativity. So we will be in church and then I will just be joking to everybody and said you know what, in several years' time, uh, I'm going to go to the outskirts of London, Hartfordshire area. I'm going to build big houses. People are going to come from mid Mideast. We're going to be saying to them, we're going to sell this to you 2 million, 5 million, blah, 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 and they're going to be paying. It was just like, we we're just talking jargons, because it was just like a, a child dreaming, saying I'm going to go to Florida, I'm going to go to wherever. And I can say to you categorically that it took several years of things not working. But you see, when God wants things to work when the right time has come all of a sudden you're still doing the same thing which is right but things just change all of a sudden and helper of destiny will just come you won't you will think but it is not me it is not my intellect i have not done anything special why am i being lifted that is god so that you cannot take the glory but you see between the time that the ideas come and the right time of the manifestation, there are times we tend to give up because we've had a bad experience. And at times, God sends a word like this just to say, you know what, even though I have been bidding my time, now is now time for the manifestation of those dreams. And I don't want you to give up because it's taking so long. Now that I've come, things will just start to work. I don't know whether somebody's following me this morning at all. So, if you had dreams, and it seems that those dreams are not coming to pass, That's why he said in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 35, he said, don't, he said, don't cast away your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. He said, because you have, he said, you have patience that the same thing after you have done the will of God, it will come to pass. So don't cast away those confidence. You see yourself ministering to millions. You see yourself becoming leaders. You see yourself being an entrepreneur. And it has not happened. Those dreams were not you. Those dreams were God. If you have been a prayer person, don't give them up. Because even though the vision tarry, it will not tarry. It will surely come to pass. Somebody following what I'm saying at all? Okay. So, the last two ones and then we start to pray. So, the 11th principle is that there's a place of the anointing in divine creativity. In Exodus chapter 31, there was a story of a guy called Bezaleel, And God ministered to Moses. And God showed Moses a revelation of how heaven looks like. So God wanted Moses to create a tabernacle, like an image, a replica of what it is in heaven. And Moses needed people to do it for him because Moses is not a carpenter, he's not a bricklayer, he can't do it by himself. So one of the days, God said to him, God said... I have anointed certain people specially, bizarrely, and there's another guy, one other strange name, Haoliab or whatever. He said to do exactly the things I've shown. Now, these guys, it was Moses that God showed them, but God was saying that as you explained to them, I have put on them the oil that they will be able to link up to the vision I've given you and create the exact thing. So there's a place of the anointing whereby... God has laid something and you cannot do it just by yourself. And God will bring other people who will be able to buy into the vision and catch the same vision and bring it to pass. And so, it's a prayer point at times, not only to catch the vision, but to say, God, the guys that I need, bring them, bring them, bring them. The same people that will catch the same spirit of the vision. Are we still together? Okay. And the last one. When you go back to Genesis chapter 1, and so the last principle about creativity is that you need to use your mouth. I want somebody to say with me, you need to use your mouth. I want somebody to say with me, you need to use your mouth. I want somebody to say it louder, you need to use your mouth. Now, in Genesis chapter 1, and the main reason why I keep referring to Genesis chapter 1 is that Genesis chapter 1 is all about creativity. You can never understand creativity without studying Genesis chapter 1. Now, in Genesis chapter 1, and I start to read from verse 1, it says, In the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was moving upon the face of the water. And verse 3, it says, And God said... Now, if you jump from verse 3, you go to uh, verse 6. It says, And God said... If you jump to verse 9, it says, And God said... If you jump to verse 11, it says, And God said... If you jump to verse 14, it says, And God said... Throughout chapter 1, God was always saying, somebody said this, he said, a closed mouth is a closed destiny. You want to be creative, you want things to come to pass, you say it. Let me share a testimony, you know, as I round up. I'm not sure whether I've shared this before. We, we had a bit of delay in childbirth when we got married. Almost about 4 or 5 years, there was no, there was no child. And we were busy serving God. I was not a pastor. I was in a church. We were busy serving. It, was, it wasn't the church we're in right now. It was a different church before we were sent out. And I was busy serving the Lord. And one of the days, um, and then we went, you know, to see the doctors and all that. They said, okay, maybe a medical intervention is needed, blah, blah, blah. And my wife kept on saying that what, what I think we should do is pray more. Pray more, do deliverance thing or whatever. I said, don't worry about that. Let's just go with the doctors. Eventually, She was pregnant. And about five months into the pregnancy, all of a sudden, there was high blood pressure for her. They call it a preeclampsia induced by uh, by being pregnant. And so eventually, they had to bring the baby out. Uh, the baby wasn't strong enough because the lungs were not developed. The baby was in the hospital for several months. And then eventually, he died. And so I learned so many things because in the middle of adversity, you start to think, oh, could I have done something this way? Could I have?" Done? So you learn, okay? So... The only thing I could pick out of that was perhaps maybe we shouldn't have gone for medical whatever first. We should have followed God first. Don't do don't follow God first and use him as a second option. Uh, it doesn't mean that God will not do, but don't, don't, don't do something and then ask him to come and rescue the option that you have presented to him. It doesn't work like that. He wants to take the glory. He does not need your help to do things. So don't do, don't create something like Abraham and say, bless Ishmael. Mm-mm, no, I can bless Ishmael, but I will give you the one that I want to give you. And so those were some of the things I learned from that experience. And so we had other babies by the grace of God. And the last one we had, all of a sudden again, um, they just said, oh, eh, high blood pressure. I said, high blood pressure from where? And then one of the days, she, we were going to go to church. So they said, oh, she needed a checkup so that she should come. So because she was not able to make during the week, she went on a Sunday. I was waiting for the other girls. She drove to the hospital herself. Nobody drove her. She drove herself. When she got to the hospital, they said, Oh, the baby is not happy right now. And thank God for medicine because medicine helps us so much in this country. But you see, before medicine and above medicine, there's God. So they said, Oh, the baby is not feeling fine. Oh, the baby has to come out now, blah, blah, blah. We have to do an operation now. Apparently, there was my experience of the one they brought out, which did not survive. So you can try and help, but invariably, I am the one who is going to face it. So I was angry in my spirit. And there are times that we need to be angry in our spirit. I just said over the phone, as I was beating for the children, I said, no, 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 that's not going to happen. Oh, she said, oh, the consultants are here. Can, they, well, c- can you speak to them? I said, look, it's not going to happen. So the consultants spoke to me, which naturally they shouldn't on the phone. They said, your wife is here now. We have to bring the baby because the baby is not feeling fine. I said, "But she's feeling fine. I said, well, they said, we have to bring the baby. I said, well, you are not going to bring the baby because I'm not giving, giving my consent. And I'm not encouraged. You need to know, you see... you." you don't say that unless a spirit of faith comes upon you for that time. So I, I need you to get the balance. And so I said, no, no, this baby is not going to come out. And so one of the consultants apparently got angry because they didn't know where I was coming from. I, I was coming from a spiritual... They were just coming from medical, whatever. We need to help you. We're trying to help you. So they just gave back the phone to her and said, look, we can't talk to your husband. You talk to him. We're going to bring out the baby. And then I said something. I said, we've been wrong... I said, you know what? This, this operation that you're seeing... I cancel it now. I said, I cancel it now. It's canceled. And then they said, okay, she should just stay in a particular place. And then they were watching. And then they said, okay, we're just going to give you maybe 30 minutes or whatever. And then another consultant came back again. And then tested and said, but this baby is fine. There's nothing wrong with this baby. And I said this to my wife. I said, when I was talking, it was all fine. I said, do you know when there was a shift in the spirit? The moment I said, it's now canceled. Now, in Genesis chapter one, why am I sharing this with us? There are times that we face an obstacle. The Holy Spirit will come upon you like something, and you need to speak out because if you don't speak as at that time, you are bold. You don't want. It's not like you want to offend somebody. You just said, you know what? In the name of Jesus, this is it. And then once you utter that, because your word is creative, your word goes into the realm of the spirit and creates things. So I don't, I don't know who I've been speaking to today. There are certain things that have not been working. God wants you to use your mouth to create in the spirit realm. Can we rise up?